Hey, real quick, would you like to join me for a fun and super practical challenge to increase your online visibility? The Visibility Kickstarter Challenge is hosted by my friend Alina Vincent, who, if you don't know, she is the queen of online challenges. <clears throat> and that means that this is going to be one of the most actionable, value-packed, and fast-to-implement challenges that you have ever been a part of. I recently used her challenge method in my last launch, and it was the most effective challenge we have ever run, and it was easier than any, ever, any challenge we've ever run uh, as well. It is completely free, so if you want to join me, I'll be there. Head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 084 to sign up. And again, that's jenlaner, L-E-H-N-E-R.com forward slash 084. Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. Our guest today is founder and president of Flight New Media, a digital agency in Portland, Maine that's been around for over 20 years. He's a nationally recognized speaker on entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and social media. He founded the Agents of Change, an annual conference and weekly podcast that focuses on search, social, and mobile marketing. I'm a regular listener of his podcast, and in my opinion, he has the best voice in podcasting, as you will soon hear, sort of a like Winnie the Pooh-esque kind of a voice. You'll see. He's also the author of The Lead Machine, The Small Business Guide to Digital Marketing, a popular and well-received book that helps entrepreneurs and marketers reach more of their ideal customers online. He's appeared in Inc. Magazine, The Huffington Post, Fast Company, CNN, Social Media Examiner, and many other news sources for stories on digital marketing. He's also the tech guru on the evening news show 207, which airs on the NBC affiliate in his home state of Maine. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so thrilled to introduce you, if you don't already know him, to Rich Brooks. Hey, Rich. Thanks for joining us today. Winnie the Pooh? You know, I have nothing but I'm respect sorry. for the Pooh, but I, I, I just don't, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It's a total uh, compliment. I just saw the movie last night and the Christopher Robin movie, so Winnie the Pooh was on my mind, but I don't know how to explain it. You have a very warm voice. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. And it was funny because I was, as I was listening to you do the introduction, I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, Jen has that real professional voice. Like she, she could be doing this like for her standalone profession. So uh, I think you sound oh. great too. But now it sounds awkward. Like I'm just paying you a compliment because you <laughs> paid me one. But actually that was what I was going to say. And then you said something nice about me and now the whole thing is awkward. No, 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 no awkwardness ever here. Not, not with you and me. All right. All right cool. So are you, are you still doing the uh, Griswold summer road trip across the United States or are you back home now? I am back home. We we were on the road for 28 days, as it turned out, me and my two daughters. We had a pop-up camper. Uh, I had only had one day in the pop-up camper before we actually hit the road, so I can't say that we were uh, experienced, but we were experienced by the end. And uh, we head down to Nashville, and then we went across the U.S., and then around Texas, we decided it was just too hot, and we were spending the entire time in the car driving because we couldn't stand the weather. So we headed up north at Colorado, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, and then just started heading back towards my home state of Maine. That had to be so incredible. 
It really was. I mean, I had spent a lot of time preparing for this. And even when we were on the road, you know, just every night or every two or three nights, just sitting down with a few different apps and websites that I liked and, uh, you know, planning out the next few days. We never, outside of a few big things that we wanted to do, we really just kind of played it fast and loose. Luckily, there's so many RV parks out there. Uh, it wasn't too hard. I only once or twice even had to, you know, go to like my second or third choice to find a campground and, you know, just used a few different websites to find something interesting along the road the whole time. So we were always finding something to do. Well, and there's like a whole subculture to like those camper places, right? Like those, those campsites, the RV I don't want to. I don't want so for years I'm like I would love to own a motorhome or an RV or something but when I look at the campgrounds that I pass on the way to Old Orchard Beach I'm like those people are not my people. I know that sounds super snooty and it totally is. But what I realized is they're just awesome people because when I went to the campgrounds without a whole lot of experience I just started chatting everybody up and everybody's so nice and so helpful. It's it was really an eye-opening experience. And so I would say that if you've ever wanted to do something like that, but you think it's some sort of cult or you think it's like, oh, those people aren't <laughs> my people, trust me, those are your people. Yeah, I agree. Like I had a very similar experience. Um, what I really want to know though is the girls, like how did your kids get along in like those closed spaces on the, for those long hours on the road? Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should gloss over that. Uh, it was tough. You know, my, my girls, uh, I have a great relationship with both my girls. They don't always have the best relationship with each other. There were definitely some days where I was like literally going to lock them away in different places. What was interesting is when things started to go wrong, and we definitely had a lot of things go wrong on the trip. We had problems with the camper. We had electrical problems, water problems. Just about every other kind of thing that wouldn't work. And uh, whenever something was difficult, the girls really banded together to get stuff done. And they were very complimentary of like they could see that the work that I had put in to make this trip a success. Uh, because, you know, my older one is going to be a junior. My younger one's going to be a freshman in high school. And we knew that this was going to be like our last kind of hurrah uh, because next year wouldn't wasn't going to work. So this was like our big trip that we were going to take that hopefully would form memories for the rest of our lives. And sounds like you did. So well done. I hope so. All right. So Rich, in addition to like, you know, t doing incredible trips, like the one that you just, the one that you just took, you're a rare sort of duck in that you have so much stuff in that noggin of yours that you can help anyone who wants to learn about social media, running an agency, creating a podcast, designing a website, SEO, mobile marketing, writing a book, and really entrepreneurship in general. But today, I want to talk to you about putting on a live event. And if we end up talking more about the road trip or robots or the best place to find a lobster roll or something else by the end, then so be it. Okay. It's, it's pretty casual around here. Sounds good. All right. So I was fortunate enough to attend your Agents of Change conference in 2016, and it really was phenomenal. I Again, like I'm not blowing smoke, like just to make you feel good, not just because you're the guest on the show, but it really was phenomenal. It was the perfect size. It was the perfect setting and not just the venue, but that picturesque, sweet little town of yours, Portland, Maine. And most importantly, really the speakers and the guests were outstanding. And I kept thinking, how did he manage to do this? And I mean, you've got enough going on with your agency and your digital marketing. What in the world made you want to put on this conference? 
Jen, it's always a pleasure talking to you because I am in the midst of planning for Agents of Change 2018. And every year on this point, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this to myself? It's like how stress-free my life would be if I just gave up on this. So thank you for reminding me that actually there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So I think part of it is, is I just like public speaking as a way of sharing information. Like I get a lot of good energy from the audience. And like, if I'm speaking above them or below them or, or, or I'm just not connecting, I can see that immediately and I can pivot. So I've always liked live events for that. There are a lot of reasons why I ended up doing this conference. And one of them was just that I knew that a lot of people don't like to speak. So for my agency, me getting out and speaking on different topics and educating people is a good way of getting some some publicity and building awareness for my company and generating business. The conference came from I started putting on my own events rather than waiting for different organizations to have their events and ask me to speak. So it was a kind of combination of that. It was partially because I had gone to some national events like Blog World back in the day and South By and uh, Social Media Marketing World. And I just discovered that um, there really wasn't anything like this in Maine. So I wanted to kind of take those, the energy from those events and bring that to, a, the, you know, my small neighborhood. Maine is a, you know, it's maybe a big size state, at least for the East Coast, but it's actually doesn't have a big population. So there was nothing like this going on. I wanted to bring it here. That was all part of it. And there's just a lot of benefits for people who want to put on events. Uh, one of the things that I often talk about is it's really easy to set up a Facebook ad. You know, it's really easy to create a website these days. Uh, there's a lot of things that just are easy to do, especially in social media. You know, how much time does it take to set up an Instagram account? What's difficult is putting on a live event. And there's a lot of work. So if you're looking for something to do to differentiate yourself from your competition, putting on a live event could be just a ticket. Uh, I think that going from like... Okay, a live like hosting a live event would be great too. I'm going to host a live event. Like there's this giant chasm like in between those two things because I think there's very few people who would think that I don't know that they were even worthy or capable or it just seems so especially when you look at great conferences like the one that you have. Like it it just seems it really it just seems like climbing Mount Everest. So for the person just starting out like what what would be the first few steps i think that's an important distinction because you know agents of change and it's certainly no social media marketing world or inbound which has like five thousand and whatever 15 or twenty thousand people respectively my event is 400 which is still pretty big for a lot of people but it didn't start out that way you know my first events had like 10 to 15 people uh, in the room and, and they were at the Chamber of Commerce and we charged like 15 bucks a head or something like that. Maybe we even did it for free. I don't know. So, you know, if you're putting on an event for your business, if you're doing this because you think that this is a good way to kind of elevate your brand, get some recognition, maybe make a few dollars or at least cover the costs, uh, you don't have to start with a 400 person event. I mean, you can start with 10 people in a room. They just need to be the right people. So if you're really just starting from scratch, uh, you might just think about finding some inexpensive place to host. And, you know, usually there's some free or nearly free space in almost every town and city. 
And that might be the initial place where you start. So, you know, when I talk to people, because I, I actually created a master class or a beta version of this all about putting on events. And so I kind of walk people through how I look at it these days. And so one of the things that I think about is what I call the three S's and it's speakers, sponsors, and seats. So you need to kind of take those three things into consideration if you want to put on an event really of any size and how much emphasis you put in those three categories all depends and if you like i'd be happy to kind of break that down and to go into each one of the three s's yeah please all right so the first one is speakers now it's quite possible that you're going to be the only speaker at your event that makes things easier uh, in some ways it makes things easier the other thing to think about is does it make sense to have some other people there if you want to put on a full day event are you really going to be speaking the whole day i mean i've done that i'm usually exhausted by the end of it so you might want to think about should i have some other people there um, what kind of people should speak there? I definitely, I probably don't want my direct competitors, especially if they're also looking for business too, but there might be some other things. This year I was asked to present at this um, main business uh, conference and it was a woman who she herself was the MC, but actually didn't present. She just got a bunch of different people from the community to present. And I've seen a lot of events be successful like that. You also might choose to find somebody who's already got a following. You know, when I've had John Lee Dumas speak at this event, well, he gets Fire Nation uh, as a following, so he can bring a lot of people to the conference. So that may be beneficial as well. The other thing to think about is sometimes speakers like to be paid and every conference is different and every speaker is different. So one of the things you might want to think about is if you're creating a budget for your conference, do you have money to pay a speaker? Um, and if you do pay for a speaker, is that speaker going to return the value that you put into him or her? Like I know a lot of people who want to speak at an event and uh, they have a very high asking price, but they're not necessarily going to bring any more people into my conference. So that may not be the right fit for them or the right fit for us. So speakers are definitely one thing you want to keep in mind. And also, you know, is that speaker well known enough that people will say, yeah, I'd love to go see that person speak. So speakers are one thing. And once you figure that piece out, another thing that is going to make your conference successful or not could be sponsors. Now, not every event needs sponsors. I've definitely put on events where I just don't even bother with sponsors and I just get up there and I do the event by myself, usually on the smaller scale. But with something like Agents of Change, if we don't get sponsors, we lose money. There's just no two ways about it. Like we cannot make it buy on ticket prices alone. So sponsors is a whole nother thing. And, you know, sponsors bring a lot to the table, not just money, but also value. Like when you have a website set up, you know, seeing brand names that people recognize, uh, especially if they're locally known, like a local TV or radio or newspaper, you know, that can add a lot of validity. You know, if there's a piece of software that everybody uses and they see that you're, they're sponsoring your conference or a bank or something like that, that can add a lot of confidence and a lot of trust that's built in when you're doing this. Sponsors, though, they do have their own concerns. They're not just going to give you money because it's out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it maybe because they want visibility or they want to be connected to your brand, or maybe they want to generate more leads. The least, my least favorite part of putting on an event is going to sponsors cold and just saying, hey, give me a bunch of money and I'll put your name up somewhere. Like that's just a tough sell for me. So one of the first things I usually do is I just ask them if there has been some interest, like why do you want to sponsor this? Or another question I'll ask is what would make this 
sponsorship a really good investment for you. Like if you and I talked after the event and you told me, wow, this was a great event, what would make it so? And then what I'll try and do is I'll try and tailor the, uh, the sponsorship or what they're getting to make sure that they reach their goals. Because it's a lot of work to get sponsors and you're only going to have them for one year, maybe possibly two or three. So, you know, it's one of those things where the longer you can get them to stick around, the easier and better it is for you. You can spend your time doing other things. Does that make sense? It does. Um, one thing I'm curious about is what are some of the things that um, a sponsor might want from you? I mean, they're all kind of, I would imagine, like, over the whole, like, I'll stick your koozie in my goodie bag. like <laughs> Right. That's definitely on the low end of things. And we definitely have, hey, if you want to put your koozie in the bag, here's the fee for it. Um, right up until, you know, basically naming uh, for the conference, where this year it's the Agents of Change brought to you by Machaya Savings Bank. You know, they signed a three-year deal with us. And they've been very supportive of not just the conference, but our entire mission. And we're looking for other ways to partner. Nice. For... Uh, for different sponsors, you know, I asked that question and I've had like a, a local newspaper say, we just want to be associated with your brand. Like we like your brand. We think people recognize it. I think that's a positive thing for us. So I've definitely had people say things like that. Other people are looking for leads. They're like, I want to have a booth there. I want to get leads or they might not even say I want a booth. They'll just say, we need to get at least 10 new customers out of this. So we talk about some ways that they can do that because I'm never a fan of guarantees. I can't guarantee that they've got the offer or they're coming not coming into a crowded marketplace, but I try and put them in the best position. Um, other people want to be able to speak. So I've seen conferences that err too far in this. Like I've seen, I've gone to events where basically if you're a sponsor, you get to speak and a lot of the sponsors should not be up on stage. And the yes. conference really wasn't any good because of it, because the whole thing felt like a giant pitch fest. We have a couple of spots, one to two every year that we set aside for a speaker sponsor deal. And we tell the sponsors up front, like we want a dynamic speaker. It's got to align with digital marketing in some way. And, you know, it has to be educational. Like you can't be out there pumping your own products. Uh, if you do a good job, I'm sure people want to come up and meet with you and, and do business with you. But the bottom line is you can't be using this 45 minutes to promote your own stuff. Yeah, that, I agree with you. I mean, I've been, and, and the other thing is I've, I've been at a conference where I ended up in a session that I didn't realize was sponsored. And I was like, wow, the speaker's really not good. And, um, wow, they're really, they're really pushing this product hard. Uh, you know, I'm a slow learner. So, yeah. so then, then only to come to find out like all the lunch and learns, I guess, were, were sponsored. And I just, I didn't know that. So, um, Right. And then that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I've heard this feedback before because we had a sponsor years ago for a couple years. And the second year they wanted to speak and they spoke and they showed up and they weren't prepared to speak. And they basically just sat there and they actually pooped all over another sponsor who they were slightly competing wow. with. And Oops. and that was it. That had been a long time sponsor. And I basically told them like the following year, it's like, that's not what I wanted. That's not what people expected. You got bad feedback. And because of that, I got fat, bad feedback. So, you know, that's a live and learn expectation uh, experience. So now when I talk to somebody who wants to get up on stage, I prep them a little bit and I talk to them and I, we talk about how to best position the topic. Like I'm talking to an insurance company right now, not a natural fit, but there are some things that talk about insurance and protection and protecting your business, especially in the age of GDRP and some of this other stuff, there is going to be a segment of my audience that's going to find that interesting. So that might end up being one of the topics this year. Cool. Uh, so in your opinion, what actually makes for a successful event? 
people want to come back the next year. I mean, that's, I guess there's a few different things. And so for me, that's a good question. So for me, one of the things is that people had a good time. I had a good time that we didn't lose money. Like, I think a lot of people think, oh, 400 people in the audience plus sponsorships, you must be making money hand over fist. But the issue is we put a lot of our own time into this. So once we figure out what our own time is worth, it's very often a break-even situation. That's my truth. I mean, it really depends on how we look at our numbers. There are ways of looking at it where like, oh, you made $10,000. Oh, you lost $10,000 for the same event. Um, so for me, I want to be able to at least break even and generate at least a few really good leads. And usually um, during between one year and the next, we get at least one to two really good jobs out of that. And so that really makes a big difference. Plus, there's just a lot of promotion for flight, my digital agency throughout the event. So again, whenever there is a new job up in town, and they're looking around for a company, our name at least gets thrown in the mix. And so I think that's a lot that's valuable too. So I view agents of change as a big marketing push for my business that also happens to often generate revenue on its own. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned this briefly, but how do you make sure that the conference doesn't take over your entire business? Because as we, you know, you, it's no small thing that you have this agency. And for our listeners, like this agency is a real agency. It's not a virtual in this, like in the cloud agency. Like he's got a really nice brick and mortar, truly brick and mortar, um, spot in, in, in his local town that's been there for over 20 years. Like that's, that's really no small thing. So how do you make sure that the conference doesn't take over the business? Because you're running the agency and writing books and you're probably getting ready to learn how to ride a unicycle or something. <laughs> My daughters so know how already. They'll just teach me. <laughs> so, but how do you, but seriously, how do you balance all of that? Uh, well, it is a big thing and we treat it like a project actually. So, uh, just, I don't think I had set out to plan it this way. I, I wanted to have it in September, the conference, because that's the best time of year in Maine, in my opinion. It's warm uh-huh. days, cool nights. Uh, it tends to be a little bit, although we're losing uh, any quiet time here in Portland, Maine, as the town continues to blow up. But it's after the summer rush, and it's before all the leaf peepers and cruise ships come to town. So it's a little bit of a quiet time. So it worked out great then. But then what that means is a lot of our planning is during the summer. And the summer just tends to be a time especially in Maine, which is a lot of people are on vacation. People aren't making decisions. Projects seem to get bogged down. So from a timing standpoint, it really helps fill up my team's timeline or schedule so that that kind of works out well. And But it is. It's a big project. Now, again, if we're talking about the person who's just getting started, it doesn't have to be as big as Agents of Change has grown to be. You know, the bottom line is I put on smaller events. In fact, we put on we, – we have other events that we put on. It's sometimes like a master class. So we'll have uh, six people, limited six people that come in and they learn about a topic here at flight. That takes almost no time to put together. You know, we bring in some snacks in the morning and – me or Amanda or somebody else will lead a class, you know, and that's a very small event, but we make some, we charge for that. We make some money on it and it becomes, you know, something that's really valuable for both us and the clients. Or I've rented out the chamber of commerce, which because I'm a member is free for me. So I can get up to 30 people in that room and do a presentation and I can charge for it if I want to. So those are much more lightweight events that maybe just take a few hours of planning compared to this, which Depending on the year, I think it was just looking at this, um, our estimated amount of man hours is going to be over 150. And that doesn't include my time because I don't track my time when it comes to agents of change. I just see myself as a brand ambassador. 
So it can definitely impact you. But, you know, if you're a little bit slow, that might actually be a good thing. Right. Well, how do you, for the little events and the big event for Agents of Change, how do you market and promote your event using uh, digital marketing? Well, that's a good question. It brings me back because we talked about speakers and we talked about sponsors. We didn't really get around to seats. So this is a good time to circle back around to that. Seats is basically just because I like alliteration, but it's how do you fill them? <laughs> and um, so again, it comes down to there's a lot more work that goes into you know filling 400 seats than 40 seats or 12 seats. We, the number one way you sell tickets is through email. There's not, there's nothing that even comes close for us right now. So building up our email list over the course of the year, uh, is really helpful to really try and sell tickets because whenever there's a few things that help sell tickets, one is definitely the channel of email. There's no two ways about that. The other is building in some price increases along the way because you can't just keep on emailing people saying, please come to my event. Please come to my event. Mm-hmm. Especially for us, we start, you know, we announce tickets in May. And so basically from May to September, we're talking about tickets and nobody cares after a while. You know, we come up with new ways of marketing and advertising and talk and new things to talk about as time goes on. But people aren't motivated to buy tickets unless there's a reason behind it. And scarcity is definitely a reason. And so at the end of each month, ticket prices go up. So that gives me an opportunity I usually am pretty quiet the first half of each month. And then the second half of each month, I send out emails, usually two to my agents of change list and two to my flight new media list talking about the event, mentioning that, hey, ticket prices are going up. You want to come because of reasons X, Y, and Z. But really pushing that you're, you know, I'm, it's $100 off or $150 off right now. Grab your tickets today because they're going to be going up soon. And that definitely gets people to buy tickets. We also do things like, uh, paid ads. We don't do anything in Google Analytics, uh, Google AdWords rather, because I I don't envision that people are doing searches like that. Uh, it just doesn't feel to me like that kind of event. We've done it in the past. We didn't get any results. Facebook ads definitely tend to drive traffic to the website. And then we do a lot of retargeting. So that helps a little bit as well. Uh, we talk about it on social media, but really, and, and then also live events. And we partner with some member organizations. We get them to send out emails on our behalf as well to their members. They, we give them discounts and then we actually give away a free pass to anybody who does that for us. So those are the kind of things. But again, it's about, you know, it's that email that really drives people to the website and gets them to buy tickets. What about, uh, do you do any print ads? Like since your event, like since you're also more probably targeting uh, businesses in Maine and in the like regional area, do you do any print ads, newspaper, radio, any or any of that? We, we mix it up. So we usually do print ads because we've got a couple of papers that are uh, media sponsors. So we give them mm-hmm. a bunch of tickets in, in, in exchange for both print and digital. And I've got people in my office who are like, it's ridiculous that we still do print. Uh, we never sell any tickets from it. Even if we put in a discount code, we never see that discount code come up. Um, but for me, I believe that the more you see something, like there's that point where it's like everybody's talking about some new thing and you don't pay attention to it. You don't pay attention to it and you don't pay attention to it. And all of a sudden you see it like that seventh to ninth time and you're like, oh yeah, everybody's talking about this. So mm-hmm. I think print ads are good in the same way that I think social media is good. Like if people start seeing that over and over and over again, suddenly they're like, oh man, it seems like everybody's talking about the agents of change. And then all of a sudden it becomes an easier sell where if all of a sudden, you know, the first time they ever heard of it, there's no way they're going to drop between $150 and $350 for a ticket. 
And in years past, we've also partnered with some of the radio and TV stations, sometimes not partnering, sometimes we'll just throw money at it. Uh, but other times we've done something more like um, we've done some partnerships as well. You know, whenever, when I launch like a, um, a digital product, like a course or whatever, uh, there's always like this curve that you can count on when cart opens and you get a lot of purchases. And then at cart close, you get a bunch of purchases, but then there's that panic time in the middle and you're like, Oh boy, this is the total failure. But then after you launch a few times, you you start to understand the way it all works with the flow of the emails and everything else. Do you have like a sort of a similar freak out time during your conference? Like, Oh, nobody's going to come this year. Yeah, I definitely have. You know, it's funny. So the last year and maybe even the year before, my freakouts were very minimal because I realized it's like, you know, we sell close to 400 tickets every year. It always, there's always a few freakout points. And so I kind of like have not freaked out. But this year, because I was away and because we're probably 20 tickets behind our normal sales at this point, because I was away, I was not there doing the kind of things I usually do. I am freaking out this year. So there is that. And I guess maybe that's a little healthy. You know, everybody tells me, Rich, you always freak out and everything always works out. I'm like, maybe everything works out because I always freak out. And so when I freak out, I basically (laughs) try and channel that in a positive way. So I may do something new. I'll do something extra. And, you know, for better or worse, there's a little bit of a cult of rich. And so it's like I can call somebody up and say, hey, listen, I really would like you to do this for me. Can you send this email out? Can you interview me on your show? Can you can you do something else? You know. And Pete, or, you know, I called up a vendor of mine and I'm like, listen, um, I want you to sponsor my event. And he's like, yeah, no, that doesn't feel right. And I'm like, well, I'm looking at the number, please use this. I'm looking at the amount of money I spent with you over the past five years. And I know that if I had, if somebody came to me and asked me to sponsor it, whether or not I thought it was the best fit for me, I would do it just as a thank you. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to buy 10 tickets, take one for yourself, Give one to your marketing person and give eight out to your other clients who you think would be, would benefit from this. And he did. So, I mean, sometimes it's, it's a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. So there are things that, you know, I have to do every year. Do I wish it was perfect? I know that there must be other event planners out there that never do that kind of stuff. I actually belong to a mastermind of uh, regional event planners. And we talk about some of the techniques that we've used. And some of the ones they've used, I think, are brilliant. And some of the ones I tell them about, they think are great. Uh, and so we kind of do a little bit of that too. And that's been helpful because we have learned that there is always that, you know, not everybody's going to buy tickets on day one. And in fact, that's good because if you are doing early bird discounts and other kind of tiered pricing, you want to have like a third of your tickets in reserve with a month to go because those are the most expensive tickets and those are the ones you make the most profit on. But you got to be willing to weather the storm. I still need. I mean, I would almost give up that profit if I just knew that all 400 tickets were going to sell and I could start sleeping through the night starting in May. But every year is a challenge. And this is also, again, why sponsorships become so critical, because if I can continually increase the number and value of sponsorships, I might be able to bring down the ticket price. And I feel like we basically hit the top level of what we can charge in this area of the country for tickets. So that may be another thing. Like I've talked to somebody else in town recently and she's like, oh, we sell out 300 tickets. We usually do it in two weeks. I'm like, wow. She's like, yeah. And I look at the prices. I'm like, it's $15. <laughs> right. It's $15 right. and there's like a free drink included. Like, of course you're selling out. Right. I'm going to buy five tickets right now just for the drinks alone. 
Yeah, no kidding. Well, what about in terms of growth? Do you have aspirations to get as big as something like Social Media Marketing World? Or you kind of like it the way it is? I like it the way it is. I've even thought about dialing dialing it in a little bit, but I I, I really like the space we're in. And also, the size is right to bring in the kind of speakers that I like to get, at least a couple of them. I I like to mix it up now. I like to get a couple of big names, then I like to get a a number of up-and-comers who are really hungry and are dying to do a good job and get in front of a good-sized audience. So for me, it's a right size. I've had people say, why don't you put on a version in New Hampshire or Vermont? And I had somebody come and approach me very seriously about turning Agents of Change into a cruise. And I've thought about it, but I'm like, oh my goodness. At the end of the day, I'm not an event planner. I do this for my business. In fact, my next book is going to be about how to put on an event uh, if you're not an event planner, because I've learned a lot in the last 10 years. Agents of Change for seven years and Social Media FTW for three years before that. Because I think that there is a lot of value in putting on live events. And, you know, if you hear some stress in my voice, it's true. It is real. But that's what I I know that none of my competitors are going to try and put on something like Agents of Change. I mean, they may put on little events or something like this, but this gets recognition and I get to go on TV and talk about it. That's another nice thing is uh, I'm, I'm the tech guru on the NBC affiliates here in Maine. And so... Usually, they let me come on and talk about the conference uh, around this time of year. And so I'm going to be able to do that again. So that's just, again, more visibility. And even if people don't go to the conference, they're hearing that name. They're seeing Rich Brooks. They're hearing Rich Brooks from Flight New Media. So there's a lot of benefits to creating something spectacular like a live event. Yeah, you're also in a very unique space because I don't think that there's many conferences that have the caliber of speakers that you do that are the size that yours is. So you get the intimacy. Uh, you get the intimacy of being able to actually meet people, actually talk to the speakers without having to wait in the queue that is, you know, 30 people deep. But it's Chris Brogan, it's John Lee Dumas, it's uh, Amy Schmittauer, it's Sue Zimmerman, it's every. I mean, it's everybody. Mark Shaver, it's everybody. So we have been blessed uh, by getting a uh, lot of good, good speakers along the years, including you. Although you were not as well known, you, you got great feedback on your presentation. Well, thank you. It really was, it was, it was a blast. Really, really a blast. Okay. So what about digital marketing at the event itself? Do you do marketing while you're at the event? Are you tweeting? Do you got, have one of those tweet boards? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, we do. The last couple of years, we've had a tweet board, uh, whatever they call them, hashtag board. Uh, and those are fun. People like seeing their name up on screen. So, you know, it's like we, we do the feed there. So people are more likely to tweet. We give incentives away. I mean, I don't go to too many conferences anymore where outside of a social media one where you have a lot of tweeters. Like it just doesn't have, there was that surge for a few years. Now it seems to have dropped off. I still love Twitter and I especially love Twitter live events, but I just don't see the activity that I used to see there, which is a shame because it's perfect for live events. But at a social media or digital marketing event like ours, we definitely get that. So yeah, we have a hashtag. We promote it. We promote it everywhere leading up to the event. We put it on the pre-roll screens. We tell people about it and then we incentivize people to use it as well. So we uh, partnered with this local company sea bags that makes these gorgeous sea they were like literally one of the first reuse sale i think maybe the first reuse sale bags uh, and they create a couple of special bags just for the agents of change for us and we get we raffle those away randomly chosen for people who tweet so the more you tweet the more likely you are to um uh to win a bag so those are things that you know yeah can i just say i would come to the conference again just to get the bag like (laughs) 
I, I mean, you gave the speakers those bags and that bag, like I use that bag for everything. Seabags.com uh, for our listeners. Like this, they're the coolest bags ever. Yep. They're, they're the best. Yeah. They have a great story behind them too. So the bags that we gave the speakers, I really like. I kept one for myself, but then we also have the big tote bags, the ones that people take to the beach, the ones that the ropes run all the way through it as well. So, and, and other things too. We partner a lot of, um, a lot of our sponsorships are just barters. So we'll just find organizations in town and they give us cool stuff that then we can share with our audience. So the brew bus that takes people around to, I mean, Portland, Maine has this explosive, uh, brewery scene as well as now wine and, and also distillery. So there's a lot going on here that, and so that's another thing that we give away. So we just try and make it fun. We incentivize people to, to tweet out there. And so we get a lot of that. And then a lot of that then becomes the marketing for the next year. So the day after we grab screen captures of all the people who said things on Twitter uh, or Instagram about us, those tend to be the two that we look at the most. Um, and we start to put together our marketing for the following year. You know, I wonder, you do a great roundup blog. I wonder, do you, you could do the whole blog from the conference too. Like while you have everybody there, you could get them to tell you their top 10 or whatever you do. I don't know. You did a really good roundup blog post last year. I think you could knock that out at the conference too. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, don't do anything anymore, quite honestly. Like I just had, like, I don't even do the tweets. I'll, I have my own phone and I'll, I'll retweet stuff, but I have a couple of different employees, one who does the flight new media Twitter account, one who does the agents of change account that day. And they're tweeting new stuff as well as retweeting a lot of what other people are saying too. So they're keeping the conversation going. And that's important if you're, if you've got that kind of event going on for sure. So you've got this conference and it's basically like your big roasted chicken and like you can just, you just use up all the parts of that chicken all year long in your, in the rest of your marketing, I would imagine. Yeah. And I wish there was, I, I wish we did even more, but we do a pretty good job of doing that sort of stuff. Like one thing that I think we should be doing is we, we, we're not going to have one this year, but for many years we've had a, uh, one of those photo booths where you can take funny pictures of yourselves. Like we should be putting up throwback Thursday photos every single week just to remind people of that. So getting people who have been to previous events and posting the, their stuff and then tagging them in it, it's tougher now than it used to be because in the past it was so easy for businesses to get visibility on Facebook. Now you kind of have to pay for that visibility. But at the same time, there are things you can do. And, you know, if you put on a good conference, people will often come again. But sometimes you need to remind them of how fun and valuable it was. And so posting photos, and this is why we have part of the reason we have a live stream and we record everything is because we want content for our marketing and advertising. So we videotape every single session and then we get a great highlight reel. Plus, we've got a photographer on staff as well. Well, not on staff, but we hire for the show. So we've got a lot of great content that we can use throughout the year for marketing and promotion. And that's marketing to speakers to get them excited about it, to sponsors to show them all this stuff. And then also for, um, for next year's attendees. And for the sponsors, one thing we do is we also take screen captures of every mention that we do of them or that anybody else does of them because afterwards we want to show them that they, they got some visibility because of this. Okay. So in uh, coming to our conclusion, um, if we've got some listeners who are like, you know, I think I could do a live event. Like maybe I'll just start with, with something small, local, you know, at the local library or whatever. Can you say like you should do 
I mean, if they're already interested, assuming they're already interested, you should do a live event because. You should do a live event because as soon as you take the stage, you get a certain amount of authority delivered onto you. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, whether, you know, you may be a great speaker, you may be a poor speaker. That's an entirely different topic of conversation. But if you can put on an event and put a couple ads in the newspaper or put a couple of ads up on Facebook, uh, send out a list to your email, to your already current clients, whether or not you're going to charge them or not. Maybe it's just educational. It's maybe just about building loyalty. Put on that event. It's amazing the visibility that you're going to get because of that, the goodwill you're going to build. And as soon as you take that stage, you immediately gain credibility. Awesome. Listeners, Agents of Change Conference takes place this September 20th and 21st. That's 2018, if you're listening in 2018, in Portland, Maine. I cannot recommend it enough. And Rich was generous enough to offer listeners of this podcast $25 off of any ticket. Simply use the code front row, all one word, no spaces. Use that code at checkout and go to the agentsofchange.com for all the information. Rich, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Really learned a ton. I think I'm going to host the live event. You should do it. I would totally want to see your live event. I'm sure it would be amazing. All right. Well, okay. You just committed to being a speaker. So awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. And for more information about the Agents of Change Conference and for all the links and show notes, head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 17. And you'll need to spell that out. Also, if you aren't already a member of my free online community for entrepreneurs, The Front Row, be sure and head over to frontrowclassroom.com and join us for loads of free trainings, accountability, and support. See you next time.